Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Christine. Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this spring day. It's hard to believe that it's spring outside. I don't know about some of you, but I had to scrape the windshield off again this morning. I'm getting tired of that. Uh, We do have a garage. Federal law says the wife gets the garage, so I'm out there scraping. Uh, (laughs) But hopefully only a few more days of that. uh, But we're so glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, welcome to all of you. I know we've got people watching from, from coast to coast today. Wherever you may be, welcome, and we, find, we hope that you find a blessing in today's service as well. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, you found us. You made it. Congratulations. Uh, this is the Church of the Warm Heart, and we'll do our best uh, to, be, to be Christ's presence uh, among you today. We do have a gift bag for you. Lisa, either after the service or maybe even during the meet and greet time, we'll try to hunt you down and, and uh, welcome you properly. Appreciate that, Lisa. Got some announcements for you today. Howard Foley is our worship leader. That's not the announcement, but he does have some announcements for you today. It's my privilege to be your worship leader today. I have a couple, three announcements. For those of you who signed up for the lunch gathering today, there's been a change of venue. Uh, the first place couldn't hold the number of folks that signed up. So at 12.45, the lunch bunch will be meeting at the Chicago Connection on Cherry and Linder, 1245. Uh, Also check out the bulletin for upcoming Easter events. Believe it or not, uh, this next week is Palm Sunday and Communion Sunday. We'll have a palm parade by the children of our church. I think we'll have enough palms for the rest of us as well. You might be wondering where the choir is this morning. Well, most of them are sitting in the pews with you today. They had a couple of choir members under the weather, so out of an abundance of caution, uh, they took the week off uh, from meeting with each other. We hope everyone's happy and healthy for their cantata on Friday and their uh, gift of music uh, in uh, Sunday ahead. And starting in April, we're going to have a full complement of ushers. So for those of you who have signed up and are willing to be uh, ushers uh, the following Sundays. Thanks a lot for doing that. We'll, uh, we'll see everybody uh, next week. Um, and I don't know if you've heard this one, but uh, there's a, was a, an atheist who was complaining to his uh, Christian friend, and he said, you Christians have holidays such as Christmas and Easter, and the Jews celebrate their national holidays such as Passover and Yom Kippur. But we atheists have no such national holidays. It's unfair and it's discriminatory. And his Christian friend replied, well, why don't you celebrate on April 1st? (laughs) You you gotta know the calendar to get that one. Uh, April 1st, all right. And to our choir members out there, this is, a, this is a wonderful way for you to be out there as well. Uh, when we're standing and singing our hymns, feel free and listen to the folk around you, and you could be a great recruitment tool by uh, saying, hey, you got a great boy. We'll have to get more chairs there, because we got a full compliment when the choir's up here. Let's take a moment, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening hymns.
join with me in the affirmation of faith, which is found in your hymnal at 888 or on the screen. This is a good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One of God, firstborn of all creation, firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things. Please be, please be seated. Unless you're in like fifth grade and below, this is your time in worship. If you want to come up, so come on up, kids. Good to see you. Hey, guys. Good to see you. And a monkey. Can I get a high five from the monkey? Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Moms can join too if they want. Love your necklace. It's pretty cool. So I answered a question a while back. If you were stuck on a desert island, what books would you, what five books would you like to have? I'm just curious, yeah? And a Spider-Man book. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Which one or the whole series? The whole series. Yeah, those are good. My kids love those. The Bible, that's a good answer, too. Yeah. The Diary of the Micro Zombies? Minecraft Zombies? I got I to gotta get my uh, reading uh, out there to get some of these new books. Yeah. Um, the best book I could think of was, like, How to Build a Boat. I think that would be a pretty cool, cool book to have. Yeah. So I was going through my, through my cabinets of what would I like. And so I thought, it'd be cool to have my old Boy Scout book because it could teach me a little bit about first aid and how to take care of myself out there in the wild. So I'd, I'd bring that one. Uh, it's still up to date, I think, for the things I would need on a desert island. It's, is that, it's old. It, it's almost as old as me. So it is up there, man. Yeah. Can't. It does have old pictures. You are right. And coffee stains from my parents who used it on the table a long time ago, so I have that memory as well. Yeah. But I also like the answer of the Bible. So one famous person in literature who was stuck on a desert island once upon a time, um, help me out. Who would be a famous person stuck on a desert island besides Tom Hanks? Robinson Crusoe, we got, it, got hints from the home audience here today. When he was stuck on that island, he had some papers that showed him what plants were edible, what plants were not edible, and how to survive a little bit. But he also found among his papers a Bible. And he said, one book gave him knowledge on how to live, and one book gave him hope that he was never alone, that God is always with him. 
and he got to read about stories of, of ancient peoples and history and, and, and battles and love and joy and peace and uh, tribulation. All that he found in here. I hope you're never stuck on a desert island. But <laughs> it's cool to be on there for a day or so. But I pray, I pray, I pray that you find the hope that you need, not only within these words, but with the love of this congregation. Can you pray with me today? Let's pray. God above, we ask for your blessings upon these little ones, that as they grow in love and godliness, that they know that they are never truly alone, that even if they do feel deserted, if they feel, feel like they are by themselves, that you are always with them. It's in, your, it's in your son's name that we have this prayer. Amen. And thanks for coming down today, guys. darkness.
church. I'm Pastor Jen. Will you join with me in an attitude of prayer? And if you have any prayer requests or concerns that you'd like to share with your neighbor this morning, this is a time of our service where we, where we share them aloud. And then I will go and lead us in our pastoral prayer and then the Lord's prayer, which the words will be on the screen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, great is your faithfulness. We praise your name. In you we are redeemed, and in you we are made new. Lord God, there are times that, that we struggle and we lose sight of our worth. 
There are times we miss the mark and, and cast stones. There are times we don't, we don't love as fully as we are called to do. Help us to see one another through the lens of the sacred, to love as you love. We thirst for your righteousness and truth, and we are so thankful to be called beloved. It is with humble hearts we look to you, sustainer God. Teach us your ways so that we may be able to see both the need and the divine spark of our neighbor. That we may learn to see you in those that hunger and thirst, both for physical and spiritual sustenance. That we may learn to see you in the stranger and in the prisoner. Help us to view one another as you do with love, and with grace. Let this be our religion. For your son Jesus taught that this is the way that leads to life. And so, Lord, today we we gather together as your people to pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you're willing and able, let us stand and sing our next congregational song together. I love to tell the story.
This morning's scripture lesson comes from the book of John, John 4, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to him, to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. In John nineteen twenty-eight through 29, Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the high soap plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. Thus the word for the people of God. Twelve years old I was on the hot and dusty ball field, playing with my friends out in the middle of a cornfield, because that's what you do in Nebraska. It's all there is. And if you've ever seen Field of Dreams, it was kind of like that. Uh, that There's a fence for the home run, and beyond that was a creek and, and, and corn. And after an afternoon of playing second base, it was time to get a drink. And we went to the pump. You know the old-fashioned pumps that you gotta, you gotta just gotta pump, and you gotta pump, and you gotta pump. And you're not sure exactly where the water's at. You, if it doesn't come, do you keep going? Like, how, how long do you go until you give up on this thing? And we pumped and we pumped and we pumped, but the well was dry. Hadn't rained for weeks. We were, uh, yeah, the, even the, even the, the, the dirt in the infield was all cracked and the, and the corn was, was, was brown. I figured grandma's house had water. But grandma's house was a half mile into town. So we, we all hopped on the gravel roads and we walked to grandma's house. Couldn't wait to get a drink. And we got to grandma's house and the door was locked. She hadn't shown us yet where she hid the key outside to get inside. Uh, but there was a note on the door that said, I'm up at school. School is a half mile in this direction on the other side of town. So we, and it's just hot and we're just, just dying of thirst. And we, we finally get to the school. We have to bang to get in because it's summertime. And, and uh, she was just running some errands for, for, the, for the school. But the water fountain was working. And there were eight of us all lined up. And I was the last guy at the end, just, oh, come on. And when you're thirsty, you know, they sit, they, they drink forever, like, like they're whales or something. I don't know what they are. But have you ever been that thirsty where you just couldn't wait? 
to get that drink of water. A time that you were so thirsty. I don't know why that time sticks out for me. Maybe it's, maybe it's because of the disappointment that the well was dry. We all have a need for water. Our planet, mostly water. Our bodies, mostly water. Before we are born, we are surrounded by water. Many of us, before we go to bed, we get that drink of water, and the first thing we do when we get up, get a drink of water. My kids do that. Um, They're here today, so i got to watch the stories I tell. But... uh, at bedtime, I remember a story at, at, at bedtime. This is a long time ago. Daddy, this is what I heard. Dad, water, need water. And at that time, there was a little bed thing going on, so we didn't want to give him water before bedtime. You can't have water. Daddy, need water. So that's enough screaming through the house. Do it again, and I'll come in there. Yes, and when you come, bring water. (laughs) So we brought the water, and here you go. Jesus spoke about being thirsty. Like when he spoke to the woman at the well. And if you remember that story that Howard just read, Jesus asked a Samaritan woman to give him a drink. And her response is, how, how is it that, that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, to get you, to get you water? At that time, Jews and Samaritans, Matthew even tells us, or I'm sorry, John, John even tells us that this is what happened back in the day. The Jews and the Samaritans, they'd, they had different water fountains. You all don't get to drink out of the same well, and you don't associate with each other. Thank God times change. Jesus said, if you knew who was saying to you, give me a drink, you'd have asked him, and he, and he would have given you living water. The scripture goes on to say from what Howard, Howard shared this morning, you know, if you drink from this well, you'll always be thirsty. But if you drink from the living water, you will never be thirsty again. The conversation continued, but Jesus, through this illustration, demonstrated to the woman of her own need, her own thirst, if you will. Her own thirst to be made whole, her own thirst, uh, to, to, uh, the, the need for a savior. The story goes on quite a bit in John, how she, uh, she's looking to be made whole. There's a reason why she's at the well by herself. There's a reason why there's no other women around her. Even though she belonged to that village, the village didn't claim her as their own. The well belonged to the father, to, she said, to our father Jacob. Jacob, if you're curious, was 1,500 years before Jesus. That's how old this well is. That's how old the story is. So here's this woman in need of a savior. Jesus uses a physical sign to help the woman recognize her own need. When, when I was reading this, studying this this week, it's, it's interesting to me that when Jesus asked the Samaritan woman to give him a drink, he used the exact same word for thirst in the Greek language that he shared from the cross. The only two times that this word shows up in the Gospels, I thirst. And we can hear these words from the cross 
as Jesus also showing his, his human side. We can interpret these words simply as a part of the humanity of Jesus. He is fully God and he is fully human. He needs food. He needs water. And here he is. He's suffering his, his death on the cross. Stories from the battlefield that when people are lying wounded or about to die, the two things they call out for. Water, and if you had to guess, mom. Water and mom. You need both of those to survive in this world. Someone to act like a mom, you know what I mean? Jesus had been silent through his beatings, through his trial, through the last few days of torture, and perhaps he finally had enough of silence that he's willing to speak. And he lets his guard down and he shows his humanity to the rest of us. Why not? I'm thirsty. But I also believe that John put this in here for another reason. Not only to show his human side, but to share a little bit more about what Jesus could teach us. Look at the verse from the Gospel of John. After this, Jesus knew that all was now finished, and he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. It's the phrase I want to focus on for a second. And see, Jesus, seeing all the things were now fulfilled, in order to make perfect the scripture, said, I thirst. All things are now done, complete, finished. In other words, his mission on earth is fulfilled. The work that he had to do on earth is now complete. And I believe that Jesus, always the teacher, always the one to, to show the way, always the one to help us to recognize our own needs and the needs of others, had an additional purpose for those words. I think that he was giving us one final reminder, one final plea from the cross to recognize what our mission is all about. One last word, not only to recognize our own need of a Savior, but one last way to discover that we are all truly thirsty. We have, a, we have a way of thinking that we really don't have any needs. I don't need anybody. Those thoughts ever come to mind? I don't need anyone to help me. We are raised to be confident in our own abilities be self-assured that we can do it on our own. And we're socialized to think that if we do have needs or do need help from someone else, then that we are weak or we're lazy or we're incompetent. It's part of the American dream, isn't it? If you work hard enough and have enough drive, you could have anything. And we can, if we do that, we do it ourselves. And I can stand here and say, everything I've ever accomplished, I did it on my own. And that's when my family said, excuse me? That's when my teachers would say, excuse me? That's when my parents would say, excuse me? You're standing here. You're, I'm standing here because of everyone else who's gone before and has helped me to be here. You are here today with the help and love and care of other people. But sometimes we stand and think, I did this. And we become our own gods. Jesus, in those two words, I thirst, just as, a, as with the woman at the well, directs us to think about our own need of a Savior, for our own thirst for living water. 
not only do we need help to recognize our own thirst, but there are people thirsty around you. Who among us, who among us, if we are at the foot of the cross that afternoon and heard our Lord and Savior say, I am thirsty, who wouldn't, who wouldn't rush over and try to give him a drink should the guards let us by? I hope I would. And they took that sponge and they, they it, wasn't, it wasn't just water, but, but uh, from the hyssop plant sort of thing, uh, wine vinegar. I used to think this was cruel, that they're still being cruel to him. They were trying to give him medicinal things to ease the suffering, to ease the pain. But wouldn't it be a great honor to be the one to give, to give him that drink? What a privilege to help our Lord when he was in need to, to parch his throat or to help soothe his parched throat and lessen in some way the agonizing pain that he was going through. Yet Christ tells us that we have that opportunity to give him that drink. We can still, we can still offer him what he asks. From the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us at the last judgment, the king will say, there's, there's a story about sheep and goats. Sheep, I'm not sorry, I, didn't, I shouldn't have pointed. Sheep and goats. You're not sheep. You're not goats. It's all good. But in this story, the sheep are the good folk and the goats are the other ones in this, in this, in this instance. Uh, the king will say to the, to the sheep, Come that you are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me. And if you know the story, the righteous answer, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, in prison. And the Lord answers, truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these, you also did it unto me. We have an opportunity every day to care for him in a way that we could also care for each other. And yet every day I walk by people who are thirsty. And I walk by every day people who are hungry and sick and naked and in prison and helpless and and hopeless and There are days that I miss seeing Christ in those around us. Maybe you do too. I'm not casting judgment because I do it myself. Matter of fact, I am great at it. I could be in the middle of doing even God stuff and miss opportunities. I could be in my car with the stereo blasting some good old gospel praise music because I got to compete with the Jeep next to me. I got to crank it up. And I'm rocking and rolling and just singing God's praises and I drive right by the homeless person on the street or I drive by the hospital and I don't visit or the prison or the, or the unwed uh, mother shelter or the soup kitchen or you name the place. And that's why I love this message from the cross. There's no condemnation from Jesus. There's no judgment There's no shaking of his head in disgust. He just says, I thirst. And it comes to us today from the least of these. From the victim of abuse, from the oppressed, from the disabled, from the victims of war, of famine, of poverty. 
And I could just imagine that when Jesus says, I thirst. Now, this is just my own interpretation on this one this week. But it's just Jesus softly saying, don't forget. Don't forget all those I have created all around you. They are part of my family. And if you're a part of my family, then they are a part of your family. There are people out there. There are family members that need, need help. From the mouth of a man who spent his life and his ministry as a servant, there's one last plea to love and to serve others. He thirsts for us to help people in need and show compassion. He wants us to show compassion over judgment, grace over law, humility over pride. He thirsts for us to have a simple faith to believe, to act, to live a life of discipleship and love. What are you thirsty for? Do you want to find the living water? The kind that that not only quenches the throat, but also soothes the soul. Do you want to find peace and belonging, love, forgiveness, and joy? Taste the living water. And it might take some pumping. I'll be honest, it could be tough finding. But with a little bit of elbow grease and asking and seeking and knocking, I tell you the truth. That living water, the well will never, 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 ever go dry. The family of God said, Amen. So much of our ministry is about helping others. Some churches, they say, this is what to believe. Our church, we, we, we have a bedrock of beliefs, but we are, these are the people to go out and love. These are the people that we serve. Your offering makes that happen. There's a new card out there. What's that I hear you ask? So this card at the podium outside, it says, I give online. We had, uh, we got quite a few people here who give like once a month, or maybe they give electronically or something like that. And uh, I know my wife, when she's out there and the, and the offertory plate goes by, you know, we give our, our own family, we give once a month or we even donate stock and, and do it that way. Uh, so the, it doesn't even come like into the sanctuary. Uh, but, you know, when the offertory plate goes by, he's like, I already gave. And you just feel weird about that, right? Do you ever feel weird when it goes by and he's like, all right, yeah. Take a card someday if you want to come in. Uh, it says, I give online. Uh, that way you have something to participate in, in the giving. It makes me feel better. Like if I, to this, I've, I give and this is, this is my act of giving. Or this is how I teach my kids. This is how we we give. Otherwise, I'm teaching my kids, yeah, we just let it go by and let Mary take care of it. She's fine. She's, she's got us covered. Um, yeah. It's not really an advertisement, but just, in, just if you ever want to, uh, just put something in the plate. The, the cards are there for you. I invite our ushers to come forward at this time. And I think we have a piano duet as we take the offertory.
speaker, Christina Trina. As willing and able, let us stand for our doxology. prayer. God of the cross, in losing our lives, we find them in you. In sharing our money and time, we receive the blessing of your kingdom. Use these gifts toward your holy work of peace, justice, and service in the world. Amen. Our closing song, How Firm a Foundation. musicians who stepped in today for Amanda, for Charlie, and for for Bill. We appreciate the anthem. For the folk upstairs who make this service possible, uh, we thank you. To all of us, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that as we walk this, this road of Lent, may God's love and blessings be with you all. Amen.